Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? What the fuck, Nicks? How's it going? This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. Amazing guest today, a woman who I love and adore and, and, and am amazed by. Michaela Watkins is on the show today, the actress and hilarious person. And I, and, I, and I got choked up talking to her for no reason other than I was just talking to her. Broke my new car in by fucking the door up. Hasn't been a great week. I got to be honest with you. I know I, I sounded a little dismal on Monday. I feel a little better today. You just have to take these. There's that sting of like, I'm an asshole. I mean, I, I've got this hybrid Camry now and I don't always know when it's on. So I parked in my driveway and I got out of the car and it started rolling backwards and the door was open and it got... And the door snagged on a brick on my wall and I sw- got into the car, slammed on the brakes and pulled it back up and I fucking dented the door. God damn it. Brand new fucking car. It's covered with water spots. Now it's got a dent on the fucking door on the edge because I'm an idiot. And it's just sort of like, what's the fucking point? Well, I'll tell you what the point is. I'll tell you the point right now. That's the reason I bought a fucking Toyota Camry. Leased it even. Because you know what? Outside of the sting of realizing that my new car now was a little fucked up, the second thought was, it's just a fucking Camry. It's not a fucking BMW or goddamn dumb Mercedes. It's a fucking Camry because fucking Camrys kick ass. And if they take a hit, you're like, all right, there you go. That's the beginning of the breaking in process of my new Camry. And that that's followed immediately by like, God damn it the fuck is wrong with me i don't know how to turn my own goddamn car off jesus man so after francis mcdormand won the emmy for for olive kitteridge i'm like i should watch olive kitteridge i got locked into that and i'd say for about it's a dark bit of business that thing it's beautifully acted beautifully shot beautifully written if you're suicidal if you're not a depressive i'm not sure you'll enjoy it but it's an amazing uh, miniseries. The acting is incredible. That dude, uh, is it Richard Jenkins, right? Richard Jenkins, genius. McDormand was a genius, is a genius in it. Bill Murray's in it at the, at the end. There's other great performances. But man, for the, per- for the first two episodes of that thing, you know, you definitely want to kill yourself. And then something eases, something eases in you. 
it's quite an amazing character. It's an amazing piece on the nature of life and, and depression, or is it depression, or is it life, or is it Maine? A lot of questions, man. But it was worth watching. I, uh, I definitely got off on it. I mean, I, I, she's just astounding. I need to talk to her. Hey, if you know Frances McDormand, tell her maybe we could have a conversation. Okay, please? I'm going to go to my uh, girlfriend's big art opening. It's very exciting. Here's what's exciting is if you're dating somebody and you fucking respect what they do, that is an amazing feeling. And, and it's nothing that you can do. That, that is even better because then you, you, know, you, can't, you, you can't use it when, you've, when you're filling your resentment bag, which happens. I'm not saying you got to empty the bag. You should probably empty it into the garbage. Man, you got to disarm that thing. Anyways, I'm, I'm getting off the point. The point is, is that uh, uh, my girlfriend, Sarah Kane, is a brilliant painter. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to go look at her amazing paintings because I'm astounded by them. And I like her pretty well too. But the paintings, joke, joke. She, her, her, she's got a sense of humor, but she takes everything very seriously at first. Speaking of love, this is a different kind of love. Michaela Watkins is uh, one of the most hilarious actresses alive. And she's starring in the new Hulu original called uh, Casual, which is executive produced by Jason Reitman, who's been on the show, who I saw at a party recently, not dropping names because I was, uh, doesn't matter. The, the Casual premieres Wednesday, October 7th on Hulu. You might know her from Wet Hot American Summer. You might know her from uh, like on Veep, on the Goldbergs, on Transparent. And speaking of Transparent, I, I just realized this, that Michaela's absolutely amazing in it, and I'm not sure I'd watched it when we had this conversation. I've since watched all of them, and it's, uh, it's some of the most provocative original things I've ever seen anywhere in any medium. I thought it was astounding. Amazing all around. But she was great in it. Go Google her face. Saturday Night Live, she did a season. Go Google her face. So before you listen, you can go, oh, yeah, that woman, that amazingly hilarious woman, Michaela Watkins. Here we are talking, me and her. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say 
essay in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Er. Tomorrow's my two-year. Two-year anniversary. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, how's it going? It's so great. It's better? Yeah, I never thought I would ever, ever be married. Really? Yeah, I I just, I was engaged for a super long time. How long? Um, Years. What was the excuse that it didn't uh, happen? Because I, I was in that situation and I ended up getting married. I was, the, my first marriage, I was engaged for like six years, seven years. Were you in your 20s? Oh, that's a good question. I think 20s, late 20s, yeah, early 30s. I think that's that's why we didn't was because I hit my mid-30s and I just, I think women particularly start to come apart. When? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like women break apart in their mid-30s and then they put themselves back together in new ways. I, I have a theory about it. Don't you think like 23 is also a, a, a breaking apart period and then you come together and then you break apart again? Well, how were your early 20s? Weren't they crazy? My, my early 20s are a blur because I all I was doing was working. Like I was just, all I was doing was was the grind, you yeah. know? In my early 20s, I had like three jobs at a time and half of them involved serving drinks. And so I was in the, the like bar rock club scene for most of my 20s. And so I was just coming home at five in the morning and then I, you know. Yeah chill out to yeah. Teletubbies because that's what would be the only thing on TV. I'm thinking a little <laughs> weed too. I Yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, but... Weed and Teletubbies. Um, it was just... Yeah, I remember when I discovered Teletubbies. Oh, you're like, how oh, does anyone other adult know about this? <laughs> <laughs> the depth of what's going on here? <laughs> I just felt like it had just been so much healing okay <laughs> you felt like you're on another planet especially if you were high you're like what is it? the the whole pace of it was bizarre it was and the landscape it just the i think that was the first show before like before netflix before the stuff where they actually took time mm-hmm. with the, the drama unfolding <laughs> the sun would rise <laughs> and the sun would set i always wanted to be i always wanted to see that set like I'd, I wanted to go to that set, yeah. the Teletubby set. It was just like a golf course almost, you, wasn't it? I don't know. It's probably just a bunch of like furry fetish yeah. people. Like, oh, yeah. You don't want to know what's inside the yeah, Teletubby. Yeah, you don't. There's just like, yeah. would you like to make love Yeah. under the baby sun? <laughs> yeah, let me put my head on. <laughs> so I always wonder about that, about the nature of, of commitment when you mm-hmm. just sort of sit in that kind of engagement for like years. Because I, I knew for me, uh, I guess it was easier to be engaged and actually take the step but i eventually did oh you so you drove it yeah i I eventually said well i guess we're getting married (laughs) time it's not the greatest proposal wow that is well what what happened with you guys i it was we were and still actually continue to be weirdly but not overnight um really good friends we were just like buds right kids in a clubhouse right We, we were like this young um it was it was the first time I was in a relationship where I felt totally safe. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think I liked that feeling so much 
that I wanted to marry it. Right. <laughs> the safety feeling. <laughs> I mean, he's a great guy. And he's just, he's just, we're not. That's interesting. I didn't though. understand. I mean, when we broke up, when I, when I ended that, yeah. I thought I was going to die. I mean, you think being broken you... up with is the worst thing, but yeah. breaking up with somebody who's a good person and you don't think that you have the right to to say no to oh, someone who yeah. loves you unconditionally, right. you, you're you like, I'm the worst person in the world. I mean, who do I think I am? I'm so lucky to have somebody who's so, you know, supportive and in my corner. But but um, so you just sort of feel like you're taking this huge leap of faith to say, what? Like, I think I can get better or deserve mm. better, you know? And you're right. just like, you just feel like such a shit heel because... You know, I I don't come from that place of like I deserve. I come right. from a place of usually of like I'm lucky if <laughs> exactly like who would love me? Well, I'm, yeah, I know you're making a big mistake. But if you want to write it out, <laughs> I said that last night. I make a mean frittata. <laughs> I said that here was my pillow talk last night. Uh, well, you know, I guess you you know you've chosen to put up with this. That's a declaration of love. You you choose right, just put it on them. Well, yeah, I'm trying the best I can. Yeah, you, you've decided to tolerate this. <laughs> so so you were with that guy, but you're still friends with that guy. I am. Like I said, it didn't happen overnight. I mean, it definitely was a mm-hmm. mutual. Was hate. he an actor guy? Mm-hmm. Is he an actor we know? No. Oh. And that's the issue is that he's such a colossal talent and. Oh, I would always joke that you know he's the he's the artist and I'm the sellout because uh, I was you know wor- really starting to work at that point and he is just such a really and what's he doing now? Person, he's working the same gig, but um, he's got a you know a nine to fiver. Yeah, but he creates these one man shows that are just like stunning. Great. They're yeah, they just he's they're just jaw dropping. But it hasn't for some reason it hasn't been seen by either the right people or what i don't know because everybody who comes to see him is just like what do you do he does these like sort of pornographic pantomime uh one-man shows with, i'm in with narratives <laughs> um, pornographic pantomime yeah it's like narratives? super super sounds kind of specific yeah i mean it's like he he'll act a... out an entire um date gone awry but it's pantomime. just it's just him yeah did no he, words did he train in the french place it's funny yeah a little bit i mean yeah. he, he went to u-dub and that's the, what they do there they they, they do, do they do the french stuff they do the real mind the stuff Lukaki, yeah yeah. yeah. So he's he's a pro. He's he's. Excellent. I think mime in general has bad reputation. It gets dismissed a lot. It gets lumped in a in a street performer in a Marcel Marceau. Yes. Kind of thing. Cool. Yeah. 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 And people don't have not revisited it. Sounds like a good special though. I think Comedy Central should take a chance and do a mime special. Oh, an hour. God, an hour mime special. Don't you think? But pe- people get mad at mime. It's not just that they don't care about it. It's like <laughs> it, it incites anger. I feel like. <laughs> Mimes are getting hit all the time. <laughs> you fuck. I get it. You're in a box. I've had enough. <laughs> it's a get, tough life for the mime. Getting beat up on the street. It's going to be our next uh, movement. That's when we know we really run out of things to, you know, feel disenfranchised. Right. Yeah. But but it is interesting, though, about the nature of, of show business and, and actually making a career in show business. It's not necessarily based on what anyone sees as talent or specific talent it's sort of perseverance and 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 delusion and kind of i think you have to have this thing inside of you probably that just like completely childish i'm going to keep going even though you know i mean 
I, I guess there's enough things telling me where I'm on the right track, but uh, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to keep going with this. Whereas, I don't know why. I, I feel like it's, I feel like it's an energy shift with him or something. Like if he just moved it somewhere else, it would. Yeah, I mean, I think I sometimes know. I think that, but as I get older, I realize like, you know, I don't know what it is. And it, and if there was a system. Well, or as I get older, I realize I don't know anything about sure. anything anymore. I, and I, as I get older, I'm not even sure I want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> get older? No. Be a person? No, just like work. This, I know. Yeah. I was thinking so about fucking... you so much, thinking, God, like, you've... You know, just 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 feel like the nineteenth season of Happy Days for you. Like after the president was here, you just you know, I'm going to sit down with another person. Oh no, not no, it doesn't. It doesn't because like I get out of this what people get out of talking to people. Mm-hmm. You know, you get out of yourself. You're engaged. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. New things happen. You know, like it, I, you know, the president was compelling and exciting. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I. I like I like talking, yeah. You know, because we don't do it a lot. I know I love so, talking. So you just connect, but you you've sort of become this very um, go to specifically uh, like you, you you kind of play uh, where you're funny, mm-hmm. but you're you're kind of like sad. No, 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 pathetic, a little mean. Oh yeah, I do yeah. play a bitch a lot. Yeah, and uh, why well, I wouldn't say that? I but, don't know. I think I have a I think I have a bitchy face or something. I don't know what it is. No, because it's because you have you you can be funny doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like you know. Be, he's calling it a bitch character is, is minimizing it because a lot of times there's there, there's a lot of heart to it. Eventually, like I watched, I think the last thing I watched with you in it was the Lake Bell movie. Oh, in a world. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. But you know, you're you're a difficult character, but you end up being the good person and yeah. helping her out, right? I think that's where being a bitch comes from, isn't it? Yeah, it's and, and enlightened, a, you were great. Oh, but, such a bitch. Yeah, but that, you didn't redeem yourself. She was not, <laughs> she was not enlightened. <laughs> no. She was, un, yeah. yeah. She was the opposite of enlightened, yeah. but such a classic sort of character, like just the worst I know, and I bad think, girl I think character. that's why I absolutely am drawn to that because I feel like I get to, you know, I, I feel like I'm channeling people who've pissed me off and really? hurt my feelings so bad, and I get to sit in their skin and just show the whole world what a fucking asshole they are. It, <laughs> it, that's good. You're 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 uh, providing a service. <laughs> it does feel cathartic sometimes, you know, especially. But uh, but a lot of times they, like, they don't always get their come up and so. But so I like get... to play through. Like when you say there's heart, I like mm-hmm. to play it through. You know what I mean? I guess like you know how alcoholics say, play through the drink. You know, if you want that drink, do you know what I'm talking about? I, I'd like to know. It, it sounds like a new one, and I know most of them. Yeah. Um. Somebody said this to me once, and and it's sort of you can you can use it for any anything that feels like a vice in your life like yeah. play through the drink so take the drink and then yeah. um, you know imagine that great feeling you're like oh, <sighs> I love drinks and sure. then you talk to everybody and all of a sudden you're 10 times funnier than you were 5 minutes ago and mm-hmm. you're loose and you feel good and then you get that second drink and then you know and so on and then next thing you know you're like throwing up wasted and, yeah, yeah and com- showing up late for work yeah, and, and you lost puffy. a year of your life yeah and you slept with the ex again <laughs> yes just, no, just bad still didn't work out and now you're living in your car <laughs> now you're begging for money now you're revisiting mime exactly the, <laughs> the drunk mime you're really you're take breaking out your white gloves <laughs> playing these characters i think by by being them i i sort of feel like you can play through and when you find their heart you realize oh this is it's like uh, 
it's making a wrong right for me in a weird yeah. way. Oh, like, right. oh, this is why they're a bitch because they're insecure, or they're you know, yeah. or they're empty, or they don't like they don't like their life. They made bad decisions, and um, they made them from the wrong place, and now they're right examining that. Now whatever, they're dumping it, it on everybody else. <laughs> yeah, and so it's it sort of then you feel compassion for this character, and mm. then it's it, then you set it free. So. What do most people recognize you for, though, like when you're out in the world? Because um, are you one of those people that are like, wait, you're... You're... Uh, uh, we went to... How do I... You're... Yeah, are you Jack's ex-girlfriend? <laughs> I get that a lot. I get... Are you somebody's ex-girlfriend? Like, doesn't she remind you of Larry's ex Yeah. He's a friend just... of ours. <laughs> and every time, every time I get that, they always punctuate it with, she was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And, and meanwhile, they're just erasing all your accomplishments by not being able to really place yeah, cause you. Yeah, because I think I appear, you know, recur in a lot of shows that people see, but have, yeah. you know, other than the show I'm doing now, not the main event. And so I'm in the back of their Well, you, you work so a lot. I work a lot. And I think that's the thing is that they see me, but they think they know me. But they can't because right. they can't say that one thing. But but you know it depends on who it is. Like if they have kids, I know they recognize me from Trophy Wife. If they don't, I, they maybe from transparent or indie stuff. You know? Right. Um, and then you know SNL, SNL, um, gay men, gay men. <laughs> yeah, I did a character on there that somehow resonated Which one? with the um, homosexual population. Which character? She played a Angie Tempora. She played like a really bitchy blogger who, <laughs> who was like a basement dweller well what, how okay so where were you um where were you invented where'd you where were you syracuse new york really yeah and i have to be nice to syracuse because i've every time i say syracuse i have this like response to say yeah that's total shithole dump armpit <laughs> <laughs> don't do that and in I, the age of the internet you can exactly. get a lot of flack but what i realized because i just went back there a yeah. few weeks ago I'm trying. I, I lived there when I was a very young, a little kid for mm -hmm. like a year. I think my dad. You was, did? Yeah. I think he was a resident there or maybe even earlier, just oh. out of medical school. Uh, my, yeah. You know, we were there. And I, there's just pictures of me in snow. That's what my dad would always say is like, don't knock it. We have a wonderful medical center. Yeah. Um, and, but I, that's what I remember is snow, divorce. <laughs> Gawkiness, <laughs> I guess, I don't a period think you can, at a very inopportune time. It doesn't sound like you can hang any of those on actual city. Well, <laughs> I mean, we had a mall that felt kind sure. of kind of molesty. Oh yeah, yeah. The molesty mall was yeah, it called that? You know what I mean? It was like it was the eighties and you know late seventies, eighties, and so I think molestation was super in at the time. Oh really? It just felt like every time people, it just felt like. Because there's not the helicopter parenting thing and because I was a latchkey kid and all that kind yeah. of stuff, it just felt like there was this constant, just a paralyzing fear. Right. Because I was walking by myself. Like older kids everywhere. usually or like old men? Older kids or people in cars that would just grab me off the street and shove me in a car. You know, I Did just, that happen? No. no okay. Not that I know of. Okay. Unless I'm suppressing yeah. something major. But it, it was always a fear. It was con. It was a constant fear because I think I spent so much time alone. Yeah. Uh, at such a young age, yeah. I think that I. Where just, were your parents? Um, the club. No, they were. <laughs> the <laughs> they club. Were, my parents split when I was eight. Yeah. And my mom was a Latin teacher, and then she. Do you speak Latin? <laughs> 
Uh, no, I do not. Much to her chagrin. Not a lot but, of Latin in uh, the house. Not <laughs> right. <laughs> we only know how to conquer yeah. cities in in our house. Um, but and, and make uh, proclamations. But she and she, read Catholic texts. Exactly. <laughs> she she's like I can't raise three daughters on a Latin three? teacher salary. Yeah. Where, what was your dad doing? He's a mathematician at Syracuse. Still. Uh, yeah. Actually, he, a just, he just retired, but he still does. He has research. Can I can I just so. take a couple shots in the dark? Was he uh, uh, emotionally shut down and unavailable? <laughs> that was real dark <laughs> shot you took. Um, <laughs> funny enough, yeah. At, now that I'm older, yeah. This is interesting, but now that I'm older and I look back at them, he actually. Yes. I mean, was he shut down? I don't know if shut down. He was just, you know, he had a math brain. Yeah. And and he, and, and it was a little spectrum-y. Yeah. But I feel like the divorce fired him into more of an emotionally available place. Oh, even yeah. Even if he was out of touch with, yeah. necess- wasn't necessarily in touch with, you know, the re- having what he says when it's reflected in somebody else's face is they don't like it as yeah. understanding like, oh, I might have right. said something they didn't like. He, it, But at least he was, you know, introspective. Right. So he, he, he wasn't great at empathy? No. But... <laughs> But, but but now he's a little more self-aware. Now he's he's very self-aware. Uh-huh. In fact, I think it, it triggered this thing that maybe, I don't know if men even did, but he really started to talk about, like, I'm like this, and I do this, and my tendency is that. And then when he met his wife. The new one. Uh, the new one. That's all they did for years was just say, we're like this. And when I did that, and they just love to talk about how they came to do things. So they were completely self-aware, sort of selfish people that talked about it to each other. <laughs> I think they then, were just a little self-obsessed with the fact that for the first time they were discovering human behavior. Was she another was mathematician? Like, no, uh, no. So your mom, uh, all right, so you're in Syracuse. You're avoiding molesters. Your just parents got- like a full-time job in my mind. Yeah. I mean- it's weird. I've never even said this out loud before, but I, I, I can't believe how much real estate it took up in my in my life. The fear of being the uh, fear. Uh, taken. Taken, abducted, um, followed. Wow. You know. Yeah. Just because I did. I spent so much time alone. My mom went back to school, so she was working during the day and going to school at night. And uh, it was, it was, a, it was. It, it became a sad time. You know, I think sure. of Syracuse as a sad place, but I did just go back there. And I, what I, what I really realized through my adult eyes was how beautiful it is. I mean, I took for granted that everybody had rolling farms and hills and sheep right. and cows. And, yeah. and I was just like, more yeah. farms, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. And now I see, oh, this is what my parents probably thought. This was pretty it's Pretty. Cool. Yeah. How, well, now your sisters are older? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were the youngest one. Yeah, and there's you know six and a half it. and why, eight. Why years did younger. I have to do a follow up question? I don't know. Just, <laughs> you're not. Your dad wasn't a mathematician, clearly. But uh, how long? Is it, how big of an age difference? Six and a half and eight years. Really? Yeah. Between between me, like so. So you were really. They're a year and a half apart, and then. And then, and then you, you were the whoops. No, I was save the marriage, baby. Ah. Uh. Didn't. So they were already so out another, being teenagers. Already I failed, yeah, like yeah. right out of the you gate. You blew it. <laughs> <laughs> but so they were they were sort of on to their own lives. So you really left, you, they didn't, weren't they protective, weren't they? No, they were totally onto their own lives. They couldn't wait to, I mean, because they were more 
sailing. You know, they they understood that my parents yeah. hated each other before oh, right. I did because I just would thought I thought that was stasis. I right. thought that's like all right. parents hate each other. Yeah. Um, but they were they had known my parents at a happy time and then saw it go oh, disintegrate. Bad. So they just tapped out. They were like, my sister, you know, Becca was like, I'm gonna go smoke pot and go date. You know. Yeah. Uh, ended up dating actually John Fishman, the the drummer from Fish. Oh, really? Yeah. Before he was big, I guess. Before he was, his dad put was my orthodontist. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The drummer from Fish's dad was your orthodontist, yeah. and he did your teeth. Doctor Fishman. Ah. Oh, yeah. That's a good trivia. Yeah. And both your folks are still around. Mm-hmm. So where'd you end up going? Barely. After? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. But you didn't grow up in Syracuse. So I did. I lived there until I was 14. And then my dad went on sabbatical for a year in Paris. And yeah. I went with him and really? lived there. Yeah. And uh, then I came back and my mom said, I got a job in Boston. You coming? Uh-huh. And I said, uh-huh. Boston. Get me out of here. Yeah. Um, and when did the acting start? And the acting started when my mother said, I when I was visiting my dad in Syracuse, she I came home and she picked me up at the train station or airport or something, whatever. And she said, uh, we were driving back to the to the apartment and she said, uh, I got you, uh, I signed you up for an audition at, at the community playhouse here. And- uh, In Boston. Yeah, in uh, Wellesley, Massachusetts actually. Wellesley, a little first. Like and she said- Half uh, hour out. Yeah. And she said, so put up or shut up. Because I, I, I kind of had- you, you talked about it. Yeah, I talked yeah. about it. And I had a grandmother who, you know, she got married when she was 17, but she always said, I I could have been a great actress. Uh-huh. So I think she... Planted it? Yeah. You were going to do it for her? I'm doing it for you, Grandma. How, what, what, whose mother? I never really knew her. My dad's mother. Uh-huh. She was a, she was apparently a, a great beauty. But I actually have some of her portfolios of when she took acting classes, and it was silent film era. Really? Yeah, so it's all about how to hold your mouth when you're surprised. Really? Yeah, put your hand to your chest and make your mouth half a half circle. These are classes she took? I'm just scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what, what and she was in Syracuse? And I have all her notes. No, she was in she was in New York, Philly. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was the dream to be a silent film star? Mhm. Those notes are amazing. Yeah. How, yeah. Like a whole book of them? A whole book of them. Oh my god. I know. I How to audition for silent films? <laughs> When that mime thing comes back, it's going to be a real relic. I mean, what it feels like you should do some sort of like fun video thing with just doing those exercises, <laughs> just reading from her notes for people who what suffered a head injury. No, for just for for for, for yucks. So, you, what play did you end up? Did you get in the play? I did. I got it. I played Ida the maid. Ida the maid. I'm Ida. I'm the maid. That you, know, you remember the yeah. <laughs> I'm Ida. I'm the mate. Like she has to say what who she is. Yeah, it's not enough that she's holding a tray. What, what play? Was I'm that? the maid. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could. I, I think it sounds like you could do that role again. Like yeah. if you need. What uh, play was I that? I would love to reprise it. Um, it was called "See How They Run." Uh-huh. It was a British farce. Because <laughs> I was Ida the maid. <laughs> And you did the accent and everything? Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I watched Oliver. I knew how it went. <laughs> <laughs> and that gave you the bug? That was it? That was it. You got some yeah. laughs? Yes. Oh, it's usually how it goes, right? Yeah. Well, Feel that laughs. Feel those laughs. Well, it was working, you know, it was, it, was on a, it was on a big 
level now because you know usually it was just like you guys are getting a divorce look at me i'll do this <laughs> you yeah, know yeah and uh so i would entertain my family right because they're not funny my right. family i think they would say we're not they would say we're, we're not funny my dad's a little funny he's pretty he's pretty witty you so know? you were the show person you were the person that yeah. was like come on you guys yeah everything's okay yeah the performance starts in seven <laughs> minutes in the living room you did that yeah <laughs> Ah, can you reprise any of those roles? Well, I probably, you know, it's funny. You know how kids play uh, princesses yeah. and like really fantastical, wonderful, beautiful people? Yeah. My my performance, we had this this brunette like curly wig in our house for mm -hmm. some reason. I think it was some mm -hmm. relatives who who had it. Yeah. And somehow when we were cleaning out their stuff, we, we procured it. And yeah. I, so my character was... Um, uh, I'm, <laughs> what was her name? Oh, Consuelos, the put-upon maid. Uh-huh. And so- You like maids. And so- <laughs> this, was, this was your wheelhouse. So it was just me in an apron with this wig on, and I would come out and, in a really surly, mean way, take everybody's order, yeah. and then go in the kitchen and bang pots around and scream and yell at people that weren't there, yeah. and then come back out with like- you know, smiling, smiling with, uh, and plop a plate down, and that was my bit that I yeah. would do for the family. They thought, they thought it was hysterical. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it, I, like as a pitch, it's funny. Yeah, and I, yeah. Or I'd come out with a plate and a mop in my hand. Uh huh. Know, right, right. Here, here, and yeah. I had my props. You yeah, know? it's it's it, it, like I I'm I I get a kick out of it hearing about it. I think it could. I think it's viable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. you could just call it that. The the show, yeah. uh, Consuela, the put upon the put upon me. <laughs> What made is not put upon. <laughs> Starring Michaela Watkins and 17 pots. <laughs> so, all right. So you do, you're in Wellesley, which is nice. Mm -hmm. The school's there. That was weird. That was a culture shock, going from Syracuse to Wellesley. Yeah, I'm, I've been to that town. <clears throat> I think I went out there for a party once when I was in college. For the Wellesley girls? Yeah, smart women. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a good school. I don't have, I don't remember what happened at the party. But How it doesn't much? matter. Did you have to keep one foot on the floor at all times? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't. I, I remember it was sort of weird. Oh, she had a sweater. That's all I got. That I got off her. Yeah, I don't think I got it off her, but I remember it was a big sweater. So a lot of sweater. I can't I can't put it all together. But I knew I was very impressed with the idea that she was at Wellesley because I was BU, uh -huh. which you're always you too. Mm -hmm. Get the fuck out of here. Out of serious. You were, yeah. uh, you were BU like BU yeah. is like a good school not really it's a good <laughs> it's like if you, you if you pay to get you know your parents can afford to send you there mm -hmm. then it's good but it, like you're always there's this sort of like BU I know you're just surrounded by better schools I, and then, then the, the whole institution had an, uh, like an inferiority complex and yeah. they had this weird fascist president president that, silver silver who yeah. like had, he, did, he didn't want anybody to fornicate ever again yeah but also he just kept buying property through the college <laughs> and just amassing uh, academics and stuff to compete with the ivory league well, when i got there it was the first year they implemented you know you couldn't just go to somebody's dorm without you know you can just show an id and i couldn't go visit you in your really? dorm yeah you had to you could only visit people who who had your sticker you know Right. So if you didn't, if you weren't already in the dorm, it was really hard to get people into the dorm. And this was to stop fornication. I, yeah. Huh. Yeah. That couldn't have worked. No. No. They. You find a way. Yeah. In a place. You, if you have a sharpie, you just change the letter. I yeah. Think. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so. 
so you okay so after the community playhousing then you start serious about it um then i i did like a summer institute at bu where um you go for the summer and and go to it's a theater conservatory uh-huh. and so you get kind of a taste of it uh-huh. i'll be honest with you yeah I, I was so aimless then. I was so, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't, I mean. Yeah. It, Do you now? Yeah. Okay. And that's what's weird is that it's at a time where, I, I don't know. I mean. Sure. I went to college. I was just sort of like, what can I put together as a major? Yeah. And how can, my SAT scores were such garbage that yeah. I, the fact that I got to audition to go to BU instead of my grades being the reason I got in was 98% of the reason pro- why I probably went there. Between me and you, I didn't even take SATs. <laughs> really? I took something else called the ACTs. Oh, yeah, I remember the ACTs. Right, I took ACTs, went to a, a small college that wasn't, you know, very, you know, I just, they'd went, you know, if you had money, you can go. Uh-huh. Curry College in Milton. Right. And that because the only thing I got accepted to at BU when I applied at first mm-hmm. was the College of Basic Studies. Yeah, CBS, and, the, right, color, coloring the coloring book, book school. school. I know, yeah. I know. So <laughs> I was like, can't do that. You know, can't do it. So I went to Curry and then I transferred. Can't bribe silver. Remember when that was the uh, no? Couldn't bribe silver. Was oh, the oh, is that? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's clever. Yeah. So yeah, so that's what I did, and I transferred in sophomore year. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was the same way. Had no fucking idea. Creative people sometimes they're just sort of like, well, I don't have a career in mind. I'm not very disciplined. Like, there's a million things you could go learn yeah. that might help you in the future. Yeah, and they were all, you know, luckily because my dad taught at Syracuse, yeah. I could go there for free. So I did my junior year abroad, and I went to Italy and England, and I got, like I said, I got to go for free, and it was that's what expanded my mind. And then I came back for my senior year of theater school, and I was like, oh, all of a sudden. Literature actually is, really? in, is interesting to me. That's for the what first blew time. your mind. Well, I had I had to expand. I mean, what the fuck did I know about love, loss, you know, sure. hatred, envy, all those things? It was just I was just in a I was barely coming together as a as a human person. I mean, I spent all of high school people pleasing, and yeah. then here I was in college, suddenly supposed to access deep emotions and doing Euripides and Sophocles and all these inaccessible, you know, things to begin with. And it's just such a, you know, all these 20-year-olds like yeah. holding spears and, yeah. and saying these life or death, uh, you know, you, proclamations and you're going, this is all bullshit. Like, yeah, I yeah. don't believe you. I don't believe any of you. All we're trying to do is get, you know, it's what's funny is that in my class at BU, you know, we started out as 70 um, at the School of Fine Arts. At the School of Fine Arts, which is a good acting school. It is. Yeah, I don't know if it is now. It certainly was then. It was, it like, was when I was there. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I saw a list. It wasn't even on it um, of the best acting yeah. schools. It wasn't even the top 20. But, but maybe it's because they've changed their curriculum since. Where they, when I got was there, they first started something called theater studies because before it was a conservatory, and so. After your second year, you would either be cut or you would continue on. I got cut. I was cut from the theater school. Wait, okay, so you go in as a mm-hmm. sophomore, mm-hmm. right? No, or you no? go in as a you. You, you do started all four at BU. Years. You you did you were a freshman at BU. Yeah, you can barely spell your name by the time you graduate theater school because you only take one course outside of outside right. of theater a yeah. semester. So, you know, I took an English course, but here and there, right? <laughs> I accidentally. This is a true story. I was sitting in an English class, and this is what a fuck up I was, but I was sitting in an English class, yeah. 
and realized about the third class in that I was in English as a second language. <laughs> third class. Instead of reading Madame Bovary, yeah. we had these handout pamphlets. <laughs> <laughs> with excerpts from Madame Bovary. That must have been a good moment. But I look around and I was like, wow, you know, B was really, I love how it's just international and, you know, what a, like, beautiful little, yeah. you know, hotbed yeah. of, uh, of of mixed cultures. Yeah. Is it, wait, what the fuck? I'm the only one here without an accent. <laughs> Did you stay the whole course? Totally. <laughs> Sailed. A plus. First day I ever got. Yeah? Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. Where, where'd you tell them you were from? Syrac Syracuse? Syracuse, Greece. <laughs> there is a Syracuse, Greece. There is? Yeah. All right, so you're there. You're doing your 20-year-old versions of uh, Greek uh, tragedies and comedies. And you yeah. Go, and you go to Italy and England, and your mind gets blown. My mind gets blown. It just, you know. International just, love affair. International love affair fair-ish yeah really i don't know just 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 feeling more like there's more layers you know right. to a person right than than the small world that i had been growing up in yeah and um and then by the time i, I was just i just wasn't a good actress then you know just i, I wouldn't even say i wasn't good i was just gonna say i wasn't a, a, i wasn't evolved person yet right and I was is so... Is anybody... I mean, is anybody that gifted? But there were I, other people in my class who seemed like they had it handled, you know? Yeah? Yeah, and they I... They could just access it? Yeah, and the funny thing is the people that I'm sort of thinking of aren't doing... aren't acting now. Right. So I was in it for the long game, I think is what it was. Well, it's interesting. Like, uh, I think a lot of people, and I've grown to... <clears throat> not so much respect them but appreciate their their decision mm -hmm. like i think some people kind of get out and you know they pursue it for a little while and they realize like Ugh, this this ain't gonna go anywhere they they yeah. understand their limitations and the nature of the business and they're like i better, better or maybe they just you know they're just they're more evolved and they blow their little i need to act and well yeah have people watch yeah. me wad early on and then yeah and then just say i don't need that it doesn't you know. right and they become therapists or massage people yeah yoga instructors yeah. realtors racists <laughs> they become racists <laughs> professional racists yeah so you you went the whole four years at sfa uh yeah well three because yeah. i took that one year abroad right and then you graduate and you're and ready to act <laughs> <laughs> it's like there you go go to new york and the only thing they sent us off yeah. with was uh, make sure your headshot is the same size as your resume don't let the paper, you know, like don't let the flap. Yeah. Because it's going to jam. We had a casting director say, yeah. like, you jam my files when you do that. <laughs> that's what you learned. That so was the most I see practical the, advice. If I see a resume that's bigger than a headshot, in the trash it goes. <laughs> did she come in and speak to your class? She did. <laughs> we, we went to New York, and, mm -hmm. you know, and we sort of got to step foot into the biz. And they brought you down there. Meet industry professionals to mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's a takeaway. Yeah. Get a glue stick and a pair of scissors. That, that's what you and learned. you in too will <laughs> join the ranks. And then what were your special skills on your first resume? Oh, God. It was like stage combat. Oh, yeah. Uh, piano. Mm-hmm. Can you play? Uh-huh. Pretty good? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to. Yeah. And not anymore. Oh. But... Uh, I don't know. I think I lied about 12 other things. Stage combat. Yeah. Did you have that class? French. I speak French. That sure. kind of thing. Yeah. Did you do stage combat? I did. I got my nose broken in stage combat. Really? Over the head foot throw. Knee came down right on my nose. 
Someone else's knee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone else's knee. And and it broke. Yeah. That must have been an exciting day at acting school. It didn't displace. Oh. I was like, this is when they put it back together in a really awesome way. Because <laughs> I had my sister. She ran into a parking meter. Literally ran yeah. into a parking meter. And it was, she's shorter than me. So it was just yeah. right. And it knocked her out. She came out of the hospital, perfect nose. Because the doctor is like, I don't know. She's passed out. I'm just yeah. going yeah. to do what I it? think is nice. You want us to de-Jew it? <laughs> We take the we take the Jew right out of that nose. <laughs> we got a Jew be gone nose. <laughs> yeah. So no. So they're just like your nose is going to stay Jewy, if not Jewier. <laughs> but you but you could be Italian. I've decided. Yeah, and I speak Italian now. You do? Well, yeah, because I did that semester there. Really? Yeah, and then I worked in Italian restaurants for a really long time. So you could? Did you correct people when they'd order? You don't want that. You want this. <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, <laughs> say it properly. Uh, yeah. No, I think it was confusing because mm. I would say, you know, yeah. can I help you? Would you like the Italiatelli? <laughs> Con porcini. Va bene. Allora, ciao. And so. <laughs> and they're like, what? Yeah. Did they point this? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. I, um, yeah. I used to, when I moved here, I, yeah. I, uh, I worked at this place in Brentwood, this really beautiful, wonderful Italian restaurant. Yeah. And I'm one of those dorks that I I I get really prideful about my job. Like I actually if I like it, you know, if the if the product is good, I'm 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 I like it. Yeah. I like I like the I like to sell people the food cuz yeah. I think it tastes so good and Yeah. So I was I liked that job. I don't know. It took me for they told me to quit. Like they were just like you are you're a working actress. Time for you to yeah, leave. Yeah, you're too good. I was like, you're but too- maybe one night a week I come in, we taste wine, it'll be fine. Great. Uh, and they said, no, it's time you move on. Really? Little bird's got to fly. Uh huh. So, um, but yeah, I dug it, you know, and uh, I, I don't know why. I liked it. I liked, I liked serving people. It's weird. I liked seeing them happy and eating and. And That's a rare and waitress helping, story. And helping them do that. Yeah. I know. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. yeah that, warm memories about and waitressing. All I deal with in this town are just a bunch of nasty, bitchy, asshole waiters all the time. And yeah. I'm like, man, I was such a nice waiter. Yeah. Such a nice waiter. Maybe you should uh, start a clinic of some kind. Uh, maybe. I just, I don't know. I just want to, I feel like I want to pull them aside and say, look, you know. You're fortifying people. That's yeah. got to make you yeah. feel good. This well, yeah. is so stupid. I don't really feel that way. But uh, no, but I did like that job. And uh, But I would wait all the time on all these, you know, execs around town and everything. And just <laughs> like a couple months ago, I was on the set of my show and the head of- The new show? Yeah. What's it called? It's called Casual. And you're the star? Uh-huh. What's it about? It's uh, about a brother and a sister. So there's another star. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Tommy Dewey, who plays my brother. And- it's uh, they're they have serious intimacy issues, and they're kind of she's at the sort of bottom part of her life. Kind yeah. of when I talked about the, my my shit bucket time. Yeah, <laughs> she's there. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and they and they're really screwed. They've they've sort of screwed up their lives because they had horrible uh, role models because their parents were messed up too. It's about a dysfunctional. And it's on people. Hulu. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. Full series. How many? Okay. How many eps? Uh, ten. Really? Doing yeah. 10 for Hulu? Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. Jason Reitman directed the first two. It's a good kid. Yeah. He's an uh, incredible director. Yeah. I like him. I've had him in here. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. A focused guy. He's intense. And, yeah. and 
but he's he's not he's no slouch. I mean, nope. that guy knows his shit. He's got pedigree. He's got pedigree, but I don't know. I mean, he he's a real student of film. Yeah, no, he's a very bright guy. Yeah, like I had not. him and his dad the same week in here. Oh. Yeah, I it's actually kind of feel like he told me that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's not nepotism for him. No, no, no. It's uh, he really is the real deal. What makes a difference when you're working with a director? I mean, what, <sighs> what makes you say that? You've worked, I've worked with, with a lot some of people, awesome directors, and I will say, I I like to joke that Jason's my favorite male director. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. As you know, there's sort of a shortage of female directors, but yeah. I feel like I've gotten to work with three of. Of some of the best um, female directors, yeah, Jill, Jill Soloway. I would think I would think you'd work more with her. I, I feel like I you guys should be constantly. friends. You do? Yeah, she's one of my best friends. Oh, good, yeah. good. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. I'm going to be like you and Jill should really. <laughs> you live near each other. We do. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I met her, she just looked at me and she goes, "Are you Jewish?" <laughs> I was like, "Ish." Yeah, because I didn't really identify right. as Jewish. At yeah. All. And uh, I love saying I didn't identify as Jewish. Sure. Um, but I didn't. But people identified you as Jewish. Uh, but you didn't identify. They couldn't tell what I was. Right. People look at yeah, me and yeah, they yeah. can't really tell. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't like, I'm a Jew. Yeah. I, it wasn't until later, till yeah. actually Jill brought out my Jew. And she goes, are you funny? Which is the worst yeah. question anybody can ask you. Yeah. Because anybody who's like, oh God. I always just want to hug somebody when they're like, I mean, I'm funny. Yeah. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> just by that alone. So I, she said, are you funny? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. No, probably not. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you are. You're funny. I can tell. Mm-hmm. And so then she said, this is the first second of meeting her. Mm-hmm. Then she said, I think you're my muse. And she wasn't wrong. I mean, we then... I would sit in her living room, you know, we would drink or smoke and I would tell her stupid ideas and she'd say, that's funny, I want to shoot that. And so we started doing these funny or die things. Mm-hmm. And um, and then she did her short film and then, you know, and then so you were there Delight the, and then Transparent. Through the, through the big Jill Soloway. For the director 2.0. Explosion. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy. Okay. I'm going to tell you a story okay. that's going to just... All right. I don't know if this is ever, this has never happened on any set I've ever been on. So the episode I was in was in a flashback at a cross-dressing camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but Bradley Whitford and, and Jeffrey Tambor, are. it's like set in the mid to early 90s. Uh-huh. And they go to this camp that actually existed. And so they had all this background people in... Um, in drag, and I don't know if they were picked because they're transgendered or if they're if they're. I don't know if they just had good faces yeah. and they thought they will look good mm-hmm. uh, in as feminine, and so. But it, either way, it was just you know the whole place was filled up with all everybody, and they, they looked great. The background. So normally when you're on sets, you know, the background is just sort of barked at and told what to do and they kind of pantomime really badly and it always sticks out weird and you're watching the edit going, good God, why, why, what's that guy doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> He's doing it again. You know, and that's, that's really what I watch when I watch TV, which yeah. is very rarely, it's exactly, all I do is watch, because everybody, every time you see background actors, they're always, they're never going, no, they're always agreeing. They're always, they're always at a restaurant going, Oh yeah. Oh uh huh. Yeah yeah yeah. Oh right yeah. Uh huh. Mm hmm mm hmm. They're, they're never back there going no. No. Standing up and walking so, out. Yeah. Good. I don't think so. Arms crossed. Going no. Uh, so, 
<laughs> it was like, look how agreeable <laughs> that guy is. Mm, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, right. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh So she comes out. They said, the director wants to talk to everybody. So she comes out. She says, you know, everybody, two years ago, my mom, my, um, my mapa, my, my, my father came out as uh, trans, and I'm making this show to make the world a safer place for him. And we're making art, and there is no running out of time, and there is no uh, running out of light, and there is no action, and there is no cut, and there, any, there are none of those violent words, those male <laughs> like filmmaking words. There's none of that here. Here, there is only connection. We're timeless. When I look at paintings... I always look at the crowds. It's my favorite part. And when I watch films, she says, I really, my eye always goes to the sea of artists that are, you know, populating the background because that's the world that you guys are building. And then she says, you guys are moving art. And then she wheels in a giant TV and plays clips that she had edited together of Italian films where the camera just moves through the background of these people at a party and just these crazy, interesting faces and everything like that. And then they give the background gives her a standing ovation because (laughs) it's the first time they've been talked to like they're human people, probably. And then uh, she says, "Okay, just start walking around. You know, why are you here? How many years have you been here? Who do you know? Like, is that your cis wife? Is that your... Your, did you bring your wife? Are, can you bring your wife? Um, is your wife cool with it? Is that person, how long have you been trans? Are you transitioning? Are you in hormone therapy? Like, has that not happened yet? Are you, you know, how do you feel about the food? Everything. Yeah. Do you know the caterers? Yeah. Who's that waiter? Yeah. Is that your friend? Yeah. Have you, you know, are you embarrassed by them? Blah, blah, blah. Are you shy? And everybody just started moving around this big, giant, you know, 100 person improv that was happening. And without ever saying action, the cameras just started to permeate the crowd. And after, you know, four days of shooting in this manner, everybody, by the time they got to the big party scene, everybody was just leaving it on the floor to the degree that she said, does anybody, she, she had this idea that she wanted to have a choreographed dance where Jeffrey Tambor would emerge out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, she took, she said, who, who here knows how to choreograph or anything? And one woman was like, I do. And I'm a, I'm a dancer, so she, this um, is an, uh, a, a trans woman, uh-huh. raised her hand and and brought everybody out. It, fifty people. She grabbed mm-hmm. fifty people, yeah. went outside, and then we shot, kept shooting, and then an hour later they come back in and execute a perfect dance, huh. and then Jeffrey emerges out of it. I mean, people were just sweating and crying and hugging and everybody looked drunk and everybody looked like it was, they'd just been parting their faces off and, and, and she got it. I mean, but they also were part of it and yeah. felt so, so empowered. I was so impressed with that. W- were you in that scene? Mm-hmm. So that, that sounds like one of those um, kind of most amazing moments of your creative career in a way it's definitely you know i think you pick up along the way things that you would uh, you know well, take, sounds take com- for yourself and use in your when you do it and it sounds that's completely, for sure completely unique and mm-hmm. embracing and uh, and creative in a way that you don't really hear about that she knew exactly what she was looking for and and how she went about it was in a very sort of collective way yeah and it's how she it's just it's not 
she's not ego driven. You know, she didn't do it because she needed to be revered. She that's how she does every single scene, whether it's with two people or two hundred people. She she just like horse whispers you before it, mm-hmm. and then you shoot it, and you're operating from just this other other place. It sounds like like honest, authentic collaboration. Yeah. Hmm. And it's unlike anything I've seen before. So she's a real visionary, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you come. Do you, you, you've done improv though? I mean, yeah, you, to ton. to appreciate, but to 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 sort of see it as an improvisation and on that she, level. Is, and she embraces my improvisation. I mean, I think that's that's what it is. She doesn't, you know, even though she's a writer, she's like this script is just a roadmap. Throw it out. You know what happens in it. Just you do it. Mm. But it's interesting because I think a lot of people associate improv specifically with comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 I think there's a whole other area of improvised theater that that that's not has nothing to do with comedy necessarily. Right, I know, and, and, and it's actually more interesting to me. Oh, of course. Why yeah. wouldn't it be? I, it's just one of those things where it's like the name, the word. It's like we're we're going to improv now. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we get a profession? You know, like. Or even, even we're gonna uh, play a bunch of archetypes. Right, like, I'm a coach. But even with a herald, you know, with a mm-hmm. good one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that thing they can run the gamut. The sort of higher level, more you know, sort of stripped down improv exercises that that aren't party games. Mm-hmm. You know, they you know there there can be a lot of emotional stuff in there, but it's still a context. It's still like Second City. It's still you know Groundlings or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Groundlings, you were in that. Yeah. But that's mostly that's mostly sketch, isn't it? It's both. I mean, it's certainly both, but. To to get to sketch, you have to learn to improv because obviously that's where you, you start to write from. Is that where you learned how to act? I for the feel most like part? I honestly, I kind of feel like it is. Mm-hmm. It, it's just for me, act learning to act was to do, not mm-hmm. to go to school and 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 break it down into its like different parts. Although I understand now, like I said, as an adult, I understand why they teach it that way, but. I didn't have the brain capacity for that. You you can only break it down once you've been out there doing it a little bit and realize, oh, how does this part work with this part? I mean, it it imagine if somebody gave you all the parts of a car but not a car. Right. <laughs> They're just like Go talk ahead. about like this is this sure. and this is that, and you're like, I I don't can't even conceptualize what this is until I've been driving a car for a while and go, oh, that's what makes that sound. You know. Well, it's it's interesting to me that. Yeah, I talk to actors a lot, and mm-hmm. and and it's difficult when it comes down to you know how how, how did you what's your craft mm-hmm. because you know a lot of acting is just a natural thing in a way you know either you, you either you have a knack for it or you don't mm-hmm. and and a lot of people uh, don't do a lot of training and a lot of people don't necessarily have uh, a, a lot of range. I mm-hmm. mean, there are people that are like you know meticulously trained actors that work all the way from, you know work from the outside in mm-hmm. and know all those tricks. Mm-hmm. Stage actors mostly, mm-hmm. but then there are people that are just sort of organic that everyone's going to come to it how they're going to come to it yeah and i i think that was the other thing is that when i was at bu and you know like i said i understand why they do what they do now but at the time it just wasn't a fit for me because because they really what they wanted to do was beat out my instincts and replace it with Technique. technique yeah and what has been my way into this field has been my instincts. But also, like, it seems to me that, like, you know, if I look at just your resume, I don't know what happened directly after BU or, or what the struggle was. I mean, where did you end up? God, I uh, I ended up in Portland, Oregon for five years. And I guess... Oh, my God. I would say that's where I really learned to act. Because then I just doing... Like I said, I was bartending at rock clubs yeah. or I was doing theater. And I was doing a ton of theater. 
and, there, and it wasn't it was you know it was theater for theater's sake in a way yeah it was the, the the stakes weren't necessarily high other than doing the show they were high because they actually ha- people go to see it there sure unlike here but so but it was honest yeah Right, you, yeah. You know, you, you weren't. You knew you weren't going to make your break out I of Portland. I was still kind of drinking the Kool Aid that I was going to be like a classically trained actress, even though, uh-huh. even though, because I was doing a lot of Shakespeare and whatnot there. But it just never was. It just never. It was never the match, you know. And right. I remember sitting backstage during Winter's Tale, and um, I just looked up and I said to everybody, "I'm going to move to Los Angeles and go be on a sitcom," and they were like. Why would you do that? First of all, LA is gross, you know. To you're just, we're we're yeah. doing Shakespeare. Why right. sitcom is bad? That's right. like hack. It's cheese. It's crap. And uh, I'm like, no, that's uh, that's gonna be my way. I do, like it. I like. I like. I understand it. I understand that language more than this one. Uh huh. So. And it, but it was part of you, like realizing that there was a career there, possibly. I I just knew probably much like Grandma Esther. Mama Mester, that if I didn't find out, I was going to regret it my whole life. And when did you move down here? In 2000. Uh-huh. And what were the first roles? Commercials. Uh-huh. It was all commercials at first. And um, and then my first role was on Charmed. Uh-huh. Or as I called it, my, my friend and I called it, Tits with Witches. <laughs> were you excited? I was so excited. Uh, I was so excited. And then I read my first comment about it, and it said, that woman looks like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Well, it's not, it's not, I guess it's not a horrible thing to say, other than she's 50 years older than If you. they said that woman is as smart as Ruth, that would right. have been one or, thing. Or maybe but, Ruth Bader Ginsburg when she was 25. Yeah, but they, did, they left that uh, part out. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't read uh, comments. I hope you learned that. Well, of course. And then it, then it just sort of started after Charmed, and you just uh, so kept then, showing up. I mean, it, like, Then I did yeah. Grey's Anatomy. This is all in part thanks to my friend Krista Vernoff, who uh, wrote on both those shows and right. got me an audition. Uh-huh. Um, and then and I went to college with her. There's something BU gave me, Krista Vernoff. That's nice. Uh, and, um, and then... I just at Groundlings is when I got made my SNL. Uh, Who was with you at Groundlings? Connection. Kristen had just left for SNL yeah. when, when I came into Groundlings when I joined the main company. So Jim Rash, Nat Faxon, actually Melissa McCarthy was uh-huh. there. Uh, Good crew. Steve Little, yeah, yeah, it was great. Great people. You laugh a lot. Really, Stephanie Courtney. Um, laugh. It's my happy place. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's, it's so, I've, I've, I did stand up for a little when I was waiting for the next level uh-huh. at Growlings. And while I, I loved it and there wasn't anything I, there wasn't anything that deterred me from it other than the fact that I found it a very lonely art. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I like to collaborate. I like to be with other people. I, I really, I really, I just really love them. It's just, I, I have such a huge place in my heart for the Groundlings because it was so much laughter. Do you I mean, go back? Just, do you work out? I do. I go and do improv shows there a bunch. But I, I just, and whenever I'm back in that room, I just feel like I'm in the womb again, yeah, you yeah. know, because it's just, it's just, you get it. I mean, sure. it's just, the, it, it's it's people who can insult you horribly and it it's the best. It's yeah. like the best sounding insult because it's so good yeah it's such a good one that's sweet yeah so when you get when you get pulled up to the big leagues how did that unfold the snl story so it was it was a two-part story 
this is a, it was a two part story. I went, I, I submitted a tape and and I went, uh, and then I got called to go test there with uh, a few other groundlings, yeah. Mikey Day, Ariane Price, uh, Edie Patterson. And we we all went and, you know, I felt like it went well, yeah. as well as it could. Yeah. And, uh, and then it didn't happen. I think they hired Casey Wilson that year. And so then a year later. Were you heartbroken? No, I was like, I just wanted to be asked to the prom. I didn't have yeah, to actually right, go. Right. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted somebody to be like, I just Come wanted, I just wanted somebody to yeah. want me to go. Right. Um, and that was enough, you know. I did like, you meet cool. Lauren then, or? Uh, he, I saw him. He was on the other side of a, right. of a room. Yeah. Um. Then, a year later, I was remember I was at the bank machine. I was at the Chase Bank mm-hmm. in, in Burbank, and uh, I get a call saying they want to fly you to SN- to test again tomorrow. Tomorrow. I had 24 hours notice. I was like, what? Yeah. And they said, yeah, they just want to, because I knew, I was hearing about people going again, yeah, and yeah. it always, whenever you hear about people going, you right. sort of feel like that wistful, like, oh, that's so exciting, and yeah. and they might get it, you yeah, know? Like, yeah. they might get it. Right. And uh, and then, I, so I didn't, I didn't have a, all new material, you right. know? I mean, it'd been a year, but it's not like I was out there you creating characters, characters all year. Right. I just, so, I had 24 hours to pull them together too. And even if you have characters, what are you going to say? What do you, you know, right. what part? I can't do a five minute sketch for each character. So I don't do impressions that, that, I mean, I do, but I, I, I guess I do, but it, that's not what we do at Growlings. We're not an impression theater. Right. It's all original. So, right. um, so I was totally freaked out, but it was the best gift because if I, if they gave me two weeks to prepare like they did everybody you else. Stuff crazy. I would have just imploded. Yeah. I would have done some like really bad, you know, just it would have been so it wouldn't have been loose. But and you felt like so you were ready loose. though, right? You knew you could do the gig. I knew I could do it. Yeah. Yeah, and I and so I had just things written on my hand uh-huh. literally. What? And uh What was written on your hand? It, on the plane I, I I thought about doing Andy McDowell like uh-huh. if she was I always when I would sit in Jill's <laughs> living room. Yeah. I would uh, pretend to be Andy McDowell, you know, get a little stoned, and I pretend to be Andy McDowell auditioning for a film where she was um, being held by terrorists. Oh <laughs> and it would just be to make Jill laugh, right? Where yeah, I just yeah. be, don't do that, don't point that gun at me. It was just, <laughs> 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 and so. Uh, all I had were bits that I was yeah. doing to make my friends laugh. Yeah. I didn't want to repeat because I didn't want to repeat. Right. They already saw them. Yeah. So the honed characters that you know inside out, I couldn't do. And then um, Ariana Huffington had been in the restaurant where I was working uh, like a week earlier. And yeah. I was imitating her at the bar to make my patrons laugh, yeah. you know? So I thought, well, I'll do Ariana Huffington. Right. So I go there. I go to New York. Are you are you burnt out on everybody's SNL story? No, everybody? no. It's it's uh, it's. I like them. I will say they're all different. They are. Every oh, time yeah. I hear them, you know what's interesting? I was listening to Jenny Slate yeah. on your show. Yeah, I love and her. And she replaced me. I mean, when I got let go, she came on. Oh, sorry. And it was really. Oh, I'm not. Um, it was really amazing because I was walking around my house, kind of puttering around, doing stuff, listening to it, and. It's sort of like hearing about hearing from the woman your boyfriend dumped you for mm. as they're falling in love. Do you know what I mean? Like hearing her story, and she—I mean, she got very emotional in the room. 
And I started to cry for her because <laughs> I knew exactly that feeling of when she got it. I, I too, fe- you know, felt like I was chosen by that really wonderful man, you know? Yeah. And I, too, was like, felt all the validating specialness that she was experiencing. The trip, the mind trip was like, oh, wait, this was all happening while I was being broken up with. You know, that's what was so surreal because it was like this car accident of hearing her side of it. And it's just, I just was, my heart was so full for her because I just was like, yes, you did it. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Are you crying? A little. You are? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love you so much right (laughs) now. Why? I just love you. That is so, like, you're so empathic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, uh, you know, I remember that whole story, but that to fr- you know to fr- hear it frame like that, that feeling you must have had to know that you know that was the the one you know yeah. after you. Now I need a fucking Kleenex. <laughs> it's not even that tragic. <laughs> it's, it's a good story, right? It really is, you know. So all right, so so but uh, so here's so here's my version of my mine. Um, so I go to so I fly to New York. I fly with um, Liz uh, Liz Feldman. Oh, yeah. And I meet her on the plane. We're sitting next to each other. And I'm like, oh, hey, I know you. And it turns out we're both going there to audition for right. us. Yeah. We are sitting on the plane next to each other. Right. I'm afraid of you flying. you think that was planned? Sure it is. Yeah. It's just like, let's mine. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, so we're sitting next to each other. What they didn't plan on was that we got along like gangbusters. We got super drunk on the airplane because I'm afraid of flying, and I think she's a little trepidatious. I'm just overall nervous. Yeah, I'm hammered. We're gonna, you know, <laughs> yeah, test yeah. the next day. We arrive, and it, and you know, we're what you do is you pace around your hotel room, just like running it. And I never got all the way through it, you know, once without stopping and going, wait, what? Oh, yeah. You know, so I'm like, that's when I was like, I have to write this on my hand. Went to. Uh, this comedy club. So, so these comics are on stage, and then all of a sudden, Lauren Michaels, Seth Meyers, you know, yeah, you just see the comics like their face just go. This is the day that I. This is on my vision board. Yeah. <laughs> this is the day that they all walk in while I'm about to do my set, and they were just like, I have to get back up there, and you saw them all jockeying to try to, and we were all just waiting, and then they said, okay, just wait here. And then without telling the audience, oh, by the way, we're going to stop the narrative of you know standups who come out here and tell jokes to your face, without. them telling anybody what was happening all of a sudden we're going to parade six women here one at a time who are going to come out for five minutes and do characters (laughs) like just do characters (laughs) so I'm sure the audience is like what the fuck is happening why is that woman putting on different wigs and talking in silly voices so I'm waiting and I'm just you know shitting a brick but this is not my first rodeo now I just did this a year ago right and but not in that place not in that place not in this kind of not with this kind of pressure i mean again day before and everybody else there had had weeks right well well, what's that right and so uh the woman goes out before me and she does ariana huffington she does an ariana right ariana huffington who knew who ariana huffington was in 2008 yeah um I mean, I knew, I'm from California. She ran for governor, but beyond that, so you're left, right, out. and center. Yeah. The audience also doesn't know who Ariana Huffington is. So it tanks. And so it's not it's not swimming. It's not yeah. sailing. Yeah. And now I have to go out there and do Ariana Huffington after it already didn't work. Well, you how, know? Many, how many? How many between you? Uh, I'm next. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm about to launch. I'm about to go, and yeah. I hear her go do Ariana Huffington. 
I'm okay. like, oh, are you kidding me? Okay, so what'd you do? So I went out and I said, you know, oh, okay, since you love her so much the first time, yeah. I'm going to do Ariana Huffington again. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, I, and then I just, I don't know what was inspired, but I just started to talk about how like, you know, why would you care who I am? It's just politics. Yeah. Uh, the audience was laughing because I was just acknowledging that, yeah, they had no idea who she was and right. how, why would they care about politics? Right. You know, there's only so like, two, well. two wars going yeah. on. <laughs> like, who cares, right? <laughs> right. And so it was nothing that I planned that was working. It was only just the stuff that I was able to improvise in the right. moment. And I, I don't know if that is what helped move it. But you had a good but, set. I had a good set. It worked out. Like they, they, they liked the Andy McDowell bit. They liked the, whatever lady. I can't remember who she was. Mm-hmm. And then uh, right afterwards, uh, Liz Feldman and I decided we're going to go across the street and have a scotch. So we walk across. <laughs> there's a lot of alcohol in my SNL yeah. story for some reason. But we walk across the street and we, you know, sit down with our drink and we're like, you know, just because yeah. you're still sure. Regardless, yeah. As, as an actor in that situation, yeah, like, and just and knowing like two times, two times and not getting it is 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 a like the first time not getting it was fine, but the second time now now I I, I really want it, but also it'd just be a bummer not to seal the deal. But um, so I'm sitting there. I just so happen to glance at my phone and it's ringing and it's a it's a New York number. Yeah. So I answer it, sitting right across from Liz and. It's uh, one of the producers, and she's like, are you still close by? You know, Lauren wants to have a drink with you. And I was like, um, yeah, I'm uh, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're like, well, why don't you come back to the to the club? And, yeah. and I was like, okay. And then I hang up the phone, and I'm looking at Liz like, this is the worst. <laughs> the, most, the worst, best moment of your life. Worst experience. Like, what? She, you know, she looks at me. I go, I have to go? And I'm just hoping that her phone rings too, and they're like, "Yeah, are you still close by?" Right, you right. know, and she's like, "Okay, okay." And I go, and I just put my hands on her hands, and I said, "What's about to happen is um, really one of the most awkward things I've ever had to sit through, and um, this is going to be really, really funny when you're telling this story on, you know, yeah. late night yeah. show, which you will. Yeah, I have no doubt. Yeah, uh, and by the way, she has since." become so successful but I said but right now I, I have to go and she's just like okay and she was so cool about it and I said okay I'll see, I'll see you later and she said okay okay bye and so I you know sort of tail between my legs just kind of walk out the bar and walk across the street and and your tail came up though my tail like started out. to fluff up a like, bit and like <laughs> fuck her <laughs> let's go um so that i i get uh, across the street back to the club and uh-huh. and they say uh oh lauren decided to go home or something no yeah so i was like okay but the, all the other producers and seth meyers were like, right. my uh, uh um, um shoemaker mike shoemaker yeah we're like um okay let's let's go get a drink though let's like go talk and um they, so we walk across the street and we go to this bar, but it looks kind of full and loud. So they go, you know, let's go to this one. Yeah. They go to the one. Where Liz is? Where Liz is. <laughs> Stop. I swear to God. And I'm like, oh God, please, oh God, no, oh God, no, please, God, no. But you are so powerless in that yeah. moment. You're like, I just do whatever I'm told. Right. Because I'm, I'm sort of floating right now between two worlds. Right. And so we walk through and they just go walking in and Liz is, you know, at the table on her phone 
probably being like this crazy shit not, just happened right. and we all like single file walk right by her and i look at her going i, I just shrug like i i don't i <sighs> sorry I'm, yeah. so, I'm sorry. Yeah. There's a hundred kinds of sorry I right. felt. I just wanted to drill a hole in the floor and climb into it and <laughs> yeah. not come out. So we sit down and, and Seth Meyer said to me, well, there's two ways to get on this show. The really, really easy way and the really, 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 really hard way. And if you get on the show, it's probably going to be the really, really, really hard way. And I was like, okay. He goes, we loved you last year. Yeah. Sorry it didn't work out. Right. You know, but... um they weren't promising anything, but they certainly made me feel really um, appreciated. Yeah. And that was great. And they all just said such nice things and said they'd see me at the Growlings. And it was nice, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, so I kind of floated back to my hotel. And then a month goes by, two months goes by. And they weren't kidding. I mean, I was getting on the really, really hard way. Mm. So then a week after Obama got elected, I was working on the show New Adventures of Old Christine. And she's great. You and love she's her. She's great. And she was on SNL, yeah. funny enough. So I kept getting calls from an NBC switchboard. Yeah. Because um, when I call it back, it would go to an right. NBC. And I was so like, had what, no what idea. is this? What is this? Yeah. What is this? Finally, but I wasn't getting a message because my phone kept running out of juice and it wasn't oh like that wasn't yeah. connecting with the voicemail right. enough. It wasn't so ringing. I'm, and so we're doing the live, the, the, not the live tape, but the taping of the yeah. show. And finally, I have a little break in the ta- in the in the taping, and I run back, and and for some reason we had a big cast, so they put me in this other building far right. away, and my phone had to charge, so I couldn't be with my phone, and I go back there and I call, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, uh, L- Lauren wants to talk to you, but you you just missed him. Can he call you back?" And I'm like, "Yes," but every time I took my phone off the thing because it was a right. piece of shit phone, it kept dying. Yeah, so I had to keep it charged over there. And I was like, um, and then, and then as soon as I get off the phone, they go, Michaela, we need you on set. And oh my so then God. I go set. And so this went on for three hours. I just, I don't, that whole taping was a blur to me because I was like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. And then finally, right before curtain call, I connect with Lauren. Yeah. And he says, hi, Michaela. And I said, hi. And he said, um. And I know people, I thought this is when he's going to ask me to come meet him, because I know everybody sits down and meets him. Right. And he said, um, we wanted to see if you can come out tomorrow uh, for the table read. Uh, we have the table read tomorrow, yeah. And it's so freaking cryptic. And I go, um, does does this mean what I think it means? And he goes, yes. And I and then I was like, well, what if I'm thinking it means... <laughs> Right, still what, not clear. What does he think I think yeah, it means? Yeah, right. and, and so then he says, uh, I said, well, I mean, I, 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 how, how long should I plan to come out for? Because I'm coming to, you want me to fly me tonight or tomorrow? It was already nine o'clock at night. I was like, how long should I, uh, in, in LA? Yeah. And I said, how long should I plan to come out for? And he said, hopefully a very long time. And I just was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I just said thank you, and I was so effusive. Thank you. I think you're. Uh, I just said everything stupid that I'm yeah. sure he's heard so many times. But I'm yeah. like, I think you're just really a great person. <laughs> 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 really loved your show. Uh, big fan. You know. It, yeah. It's uh, this is. I couldn't even talk. I hang up. I call my mom. I start crying, and she's like, "What?" <laughs> Nobody ever gives you the reaction you want in my yeah, family, right. yeah, yeah. which I should uh, anticipate. But she's like, who? 
<laughs> Why? What? For how long? And then the next phone call I made was to get somebody to cover my class the next day because I, I was teaching improv. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so that was the weirdest thing to call my friend. Oh, hey, I um I just got on SNL and you're the second person I'm talking to about it. Can you? I need a sub. So uh, I go out to do the curtain call, and right after the curtain call, I turn to Julie and I go, "I, I, I, I just, I, I just got hired on SNL." And she grabbed me and she hugged me and she said, "We're getting a drink right now. We need to talk." You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she got give you the lowdown. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> so she gave me the what, what, and uh, and it was all magical, and it was a blur because I had two cats, you know. Yeah. I, I'm leaving the next day. Like they were just evil, evil. I mean, yeah. everybody else has like they get hired in the summer they have a month to find an apartment right. i was going then i'm like i have a life i have a life Why i'm also 36 almost 37 years old i mean i'm I, it's not just a life like i'm i'm a i'm a, I'm a very adult person at this yeah. point you know yeah. and so what did julia tell you she said a couple of things she did say it was a, it was a different atmosphere when she was there and it's much, yeah. much better now because she had gone as, as a host uh-huh. and um she just said you know this writer's there you know they're good this this writer i think it's still there avoid <laughs> you know i don't know oh yeah <laughs> like, just practical stuff no just yeah and just kind of i think she just wanted to be like look you know you're you're i think she wanted to kind of just say you're you're a good person don't don't let it fuck with you don't let it fuck right. with your head and did it um of course of course you were on for a season i did one season and I felt like it went pretty well. I mean, I all I had to compare it with is what I'd seen just right. as a viewer, you know. And uh, and I felt like, oh, for first season, you know, not not too shabby. Got to do a bunch of updates, and you know, I was had some recurring characters yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, I was hired with Abby Elliott, who was twenty one, and I was thirty six. Like I said, I turned thirty seven a month after I got there. I'm fifteen to sixteen years older than the girl I'm sharing. Uh, an office space with, yeah. um, and she's a beautiful, beautiful young woman, yeah. you know. And I just felt like such a haggard <laughs> old oh. person there. I mean, I'm being, yeah. I'm not. I, I mean, I'm not trying to elicit a. Oh, I'm, I'm really being honest. Right. Like, I really felt like, why didn't this happen five years earlier? Right. I, you know, because I'm like I'm. There's some, there's some things I noticed that felt a little like. This is a little like middle school, but if it was five years earlier, I wouldn't have cared, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, there were moments where I was like, "I'm kind of too old for this shit," you know. And I don't mean the comedy; I just mean the way things get run. For example, I went to an after party, and I was really good friends with um, Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. And neither of us had anybody coming to the show, so you know they'd take you to a car to the after party, and and we were kind of chit-chatting we kind of went in one car because why take two cars and sit by yourself you know we're in the middle of conversation and we walk up to the desk and you know it's like the producer's assistants kind of seat you and i don't know if you know the way it sort of works the after party but there's you you sort of get the lay of the land pretty early on at the center of at the at the at the inner inner what am i trying to say the Sanctum. sanctum is lauren and the exec producers then there's like this little ring around them that is the senior members of the cast, you know, right. Fred Armisen, Will Forte, uh, Kristen Wiig. And then after that is like the mid, mid-level, mid you know, been there sort of the medium amount of time, Sandberg, yeah. Hader, 
um, Sudeikis. And then around that is the featured players, me, Bobby Moynihan, Casey Wilson, and Abby. And then outside of that is, uh, outside of that ring is the writers. And, and that's how they sort of seat you in the restaurant at the, at the after party. Uh And so when we walked up, I remember saying, oh, you know, hey, can we sit together? Because, you know, we don't have, we don't have anybody with us and we're just hanging out. Yeah. And, uh, and they just sort of looked at, at us and went, um, okay, hold on a second. Um, you guys want to sit together? And we're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the big deal? I'm thinking, what's the big deal? Yeah. And, and they're like, okay, um, can you give me one second? Okay. And you could just see, like, they were just, where do we put Michaela like do we make Jason sit with the featured player area or do we make you you could just see like or do we put Michaela with the you could and I was like where I come from in the groundlings like we're one yeah there is no hierarchy there is no and I I just my mind couldn't get around it it wasn't coming from the cast it wasn't coming from the writers there's so much love and support I have to say like it was a really really nice group of people hands down like the writers were just unbelievably terrific people and and the cast was a really solid wonderful lovely lovely bunch of people it wasn't coming from there it was coming from this other like higher level that was sort of instilling this be a little off balance be a little know your place like you have a job where you feel like it's the center of the universe but we're gonna constantly remind you you're nothing you know what i mean right like these two this duality that was happening and i just I just kind of just felt like, come on, really? Yeah. Let us sit together. I mean, right. and we ended up sitting together, but I could feel the friction. That, wow. And and it was just, I can't even believe I'm telling this because it was sort of, it's, I don't want them to sound bad or look bad, but it just, it just struck me as a bizarre, a bizarre way to run a group of people. Like, I don't think it, I don't think it, it, <laughs> I don't think it is the best way to get people to be their most creative, you know. Well, I'd, I'd always heard, selves, well, know? yeah, it, that it could be a competitive environment and it mm-hmm. was, you know, a sort of. But it's not coming from the other. No, I know. No, I, I, I've never heard that. Yeah. You know, I, I think that we're performers mm-hmm. and ultimately the desire to perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, given the opportunity is is going to uh, perhaps strain or or destroy alliances, mm-hmm. but not unlike middle school. But you do see, I mean, you can feel you can feel like who's hot that day at the table sure, read, yeah. and you can feel who's not. And I mean, Casey Wilson to me is such an incredibly funny writer, and I would crack up so hard at her stuff because I wasn't. I was new and I didn't know like who do we who are we laughing at yeah. now you right. know and you could just feel in the room that there was like a you know a, a, a tide of who who but who it's, but it's interesting that you know at the age you were you were at you had some hindsight and you had some life experience and and you I was so I was past that stage where I was like went through that like I'm gonna kill myself I just ended my life with or that this. you'll do anything yeah well i mean i w- i was coming out of you know that that huge breakup that yeah. i was telling you about yeah. and my best friend had just died um Ugh. yeah and so i was not in my totally right mind probably either you know i think i was like just on the other side or in the middle of a lot of grief right and, when and, I got and, it. and that's life uh-huh that's sad about your friend. Yeah, she had cancer. Oh, and okay. So, well, well, how did it end? So, um, so it ended. 
It ended when uh, I was back in New York. I came out here to do a film, and then I went back to New York, and I'm in my apartment, and I was just thinking, oh, gosh, you know, I can't wait to... Oh, gosh, oh, look yeah. at me. Here I am in New York. No, I was thinking, I, I can't wait to come back and not be new anymore because right. I, you spend so much time like making sure you're not fucking up all the time right, as a right. new person because you don't know. Oh, and then managing all this like hierarchy shit. Yeah, and I, I also, I, I wasn't, I like Lorne a lot. I respect yeah. him, but I didn't want to be, uh, I, here's the thing. I didn't want to... I thought our relationship would happen organically. So yeah. I never pushed one with him. Right. I never kissed ass. I never, and every time, and I was really intimidated by him, but I felt like over time, I'm going to get to know him as a person and he'll get to know me as a person. And, and, yeah. I, and I trusted that that would happen. Right. So I don't think, I never, I never kissed ass or anything. Right. I never uh, su- seeked people out. And every once in a while, you know, one of the cast members is like, you should go thank Lauren, go say hi to Lauren, you know, make sure you stop by, or maybe not the cast, but sometimes the other producers uh-huh. be like, you should go say hi to Lauren. And I'd walk up to his table and be like, hi. And he's like, hello. And I'd be like, how, how are you doing? Are you having a good time? I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm really happy to be here. I like your tie. Um, okay, okay I'll, ta- I'll talk to you later. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Right. So that so the real reason why you didn't necessarily kiss ass is that you know you didn't. I wasn't good at it, <laughs> and also uh, like Bill Hader said, you know the fact that you're going to go do this movie and he's letting you off to go do this movie or whatever. Which movie? Uh, it was Backup Plan, uh-huh. and he said you should you should thank Lauren because you know I I one time didn't and he, I could tell I don't know maybe it bothered oh him I don't God. know he didn't know you know but he was just like maybe you want to you know and I just was walking down the hall and you sometimes see him coming yeah. and every part of me is like, go the other way, just turn, turn on yeah. your heels, go run, move. But I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to take Bill's advice. I'm going to go thank him, you know? And, uh, and, and by the way, Bill was incredibly sweet. I mean, yeah. he didn't have to, Great guy. people yeah. don't usually give advice yeah. there. It was yeah. really nice of him to. So, uh, so I, and I know it was coming from a nice place, but I, I went over to, uh, Lauren and it was without any, like you know warming into a conversation i was like hi lauren i just want to say a thank you so much for letting me do this movie i am really excited to go do this and you're just very nice and also i do is that you do you, do you have a lot of shirts like that i like that one it's very nice on your body okay and he just kind of looked at me and he went okay like just okay <laughs> And I was like, this guy hates me. And he never, I, like I said, I never had that one-on-one where I sit down in his yeah. office and he it's gets to good. know me as me. So uh, it's just, I could never, I, I always misfired every time I talked to the guy. Yeah. And, so what uh, happened? So then, uh, so I was back in my apartment thinking it'd be nice not to be new. Right. You know, just yeah. to come back with a little more relaxed yeah. and not have to be the best version of myself right. for seven. And then I found out that, uh, <laughs> I think Casey called me and she's like, was your contract renewed? And I was like, no, I mean, I haven't heard it. No, why? She goes, everybody's contracts were renewed. I was like, oh, oh, that's weird. So then, you know, I made the necessary <sighs> calls and they said, they told my manager, of course we're going to renew Michaela. We're just seeing how things are going to move and move around. But of course we are. We love her. We, we're, 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 we're going to. And then uh, like a month later, I just... I I thought I would oh God I just remembered this I thought well maybe if I talk to Lauren like right. show him I'm a person and not this creeper that's like every time I see him you know starts sweating profusely and right. talks really fast yeah. maybe if I just tell him why 
this why I feel like I should come back and why this is important to me and how happy I am to be there. Maybe I haven't Maybe I haven't told him that. Maybe yeah. he actually. Maybe, maybe he just needs to hear. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he thinks. Oh, she's, maybe. Maybe he thinks I have better things to do. Maybe he thinks. You know. Yeah, I, I don't right. know. I don't yeah. know what he thinks. Yeah. Truth is, he probably doesn't think anything. He just thinks like, how can I? You know, she's how old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so I called him and had uh, a, a one-way conversation where I just, you know everything I'd rehearsed I said in a really stilted horrible way and he got on the phone he though. got on the phone yeah. and and he said that thank you so much I will consider all those things and I was like, so he knew exactly what you're calling yeah and so uh and I was just like consider okay this is this is not gonna go my way this mm-hmm. isn't gonna go my way I just knew it and then my friend was visiting and I felt it go away like for a while, I think he really was. Everybody said that he was really torn when they when they let me go. But um, but I I felt it, you know, just in the atmosphere. I felt it move away from me at some point. And it, I hadn't talked to anybody. It had been like a couple of weeks later, you know. And I just I looked at my friend. I go, it's gone. It went away. That's a that is like a, a moment you have in a relationship as well. Totally. Where you're like, like they just they fell out of love anymore. with me. Yeah, yeah. They found a shinier object. Um, and, and then I, and then I, I know Nassim from Groundlings and, um, she was in the side company there. So I was stoked for her and, and Jenny, I didn't know, but I knew people who knew her and they all just adored her. And, and, and when I looked at them, I looked at their picture. I was like, yeah, they don't need me anymore. You know? Yeah. And I was so sad, but I was, <laughs> I was like getting emotional now. <laughs> I was, I was really sad because I just there's the thing where you don't know why you know and i was like did i say something did i do it's so you horrible. Blame yourself well because you know who knows i joke maybe i said something that got i people misinterpret me constantly because i have a joke in my head but it doesn't come out of my mouth the right way and maybe that happened or and then i heard maybe it was on your show i heard andy samberg i think talking about lorne likes to hire people he'd want to go on a road trip with. It was something like that. Like he could imagine that he'd be happy to be in a, on, a, on a cross-country road trip with. And I heard it on your show, and it was like, you know, years later, of course. And I heard it. I was like, if, totally over it. You know, fine, don't care. My life has, you know, found where actually, which is another story. But I, I feel like things do happen for a reason. And, retro, you know, ret- retroactively, I feel like, I'm glad things went the way they did, but at the time, you know, sure. you feel so much rejection. And and I and I was hearing that, and I was like, I wonder if Lauren was like, I don't want to go on a road trip with that chick. <laughs> and that made me so sad. But, but you did that I'm to yourself. Great on a road trip. No, I'm just kidding. Because I'm really, I think I'm funny. My friends think I'm funny. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, but like, like I, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing else you can do with that information. But ultimately. I imagine you realize on some level that, you know, the machinations of that thing are, they're fairly complicated. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't think it's just some weird personal word. No, I, but you're going to, of course, gonna, of course, your GPS is going to be like, where's the, because you I did good work, total shame. You right? know, it wasn't like you tanked. You right. Know, you're funny. Yeah. And, you know, it, and, and hopefully he's like, oh, I, oops, shouldn't have let that, you know, maybe like you hope your ex-boyfriend pines for you. I'll tell you, you know what? 
if I ever get a chance to talk to him, which I've been beating around the bush for you know oh, five God. or six years now, I mean, like it may never happen. It may be the How white it whale. Happened? I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I haven't tried hard enough. But like, I also don't know what I'm looking for. I, you know, at the time that I went in there, you know, I was unformed. Mm-hmm. I was uh, chaotic. Mm-hmm. I was probably looking for a parent. You know, I, there was a lot of things that were going on mm-hmm. that would you know lead to me not getting the show. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure what I really want out of him now. Right. You know, like you know, I've talked to everybody about him. I've told my story about auditioning a million times. Everyone knows that he listens to this show. Mm-hmm. But the worst thing that could happen is, and I, you know, if he gives a shit at all, mm-hmm. the worst thing that could happen if I interview him is nothing. Like they, you know, like if I uh, if I you know, I sort of remember you coming in, but not really. Oh you know, my like, god! So exactly. He, <laughs> Exactly. So you know, there's 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 part of it that, but I'd also like to interview him for the scope of of you know his career. I, I mean, I would give thing. him a, a great interview, but I do have these, and that is the truth of it. And I think that's why I felt sad if like this guy doesn't want want to be on a road trip with me, which we don't know. Maybe he can't wait to get on it. Maybe he's going to call me and say, "Let's let's, let's go. Let's we're go. going. We're, we're going up the coast. We're doing the Dakotas." <laughs> but he he. He is, I have such respect for him and he tells such a great story. And when I watch him, you know, there at work and I observe him and I just see how he handles things, I, I, I am enamored with him. Of course. A bit. And yeah. so, um, you know, the truth is like, it, I was, I was so shocked and sad sort of, but I didn't allow myself to feel sad because I was like, well, I was happy I got to go. You know, I was in this real like gratitude place. Um, brimming overflowing with it just the fact that i got to go yeah it felt like it never felt real it always felt surreal the entire time so it wasn't until you know a year later that it really that i started to realize i was i was hurt and sad by that but um but i was back buying my costumes at goodwill doing shows at the growlings you know it was very humbling and uh but it was ultimately very good for me i mean it made me appreciate my friends. It made me appreciate, um, which I already did, but it made me even more. Mm. Um, just organize what's important. And also, like, organize you know, what's important. The Groundlings is such an important. Well, part and, of my but life. you know, you have a, you know a tremendous amount of of genuine earned humility, mm-hmm. and you know you you found you know your your like a soulmate and Jill. Yeah, and, and you know you do great work that you have. I never control would have over. met my husband if and yeah, he's and also the who, who love the of my life, you know. Yeah, and, I mean, and and you work, and, and I work, and, and I'm doing, I'm doing what I want to do. That, see, that, like I can totally relate to that. Mm-hmm. Is that like I don't know if I'd been given all the opportunities mm-hmm. that you want in show business. You know, what kind of person would you be, and would you be able to make the same choices? Right. You know what I mean? It's you. You do lose a lot of free will in a way i remember every time i sat in a bmw i was like i would just smell the leather and feel the fit and finish and then if you own one for worried about you're like it's a car (laughs) and i feel like if you have your i still every job i have i just i i i embrace it i love the crew i love the people i love you know the words that i get to say i love i love the whole experience of it because i appreciate the shit out of it and and that sounds so Pollyanna, but it's a hundred percent true. I mean, well, I am a huge fan. Oh, thank you. Likewise, and uh, and and this is a <laughs> no. Are you? I couldn't love you more right now. Ugh. I don't even know why. Why are you crying? I don't know. Maybe it's my own shit. But thank you for talking. <laughs> thank you. 
Charming, touching, amazing, crying. That's our show. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Get on that mailing list. Get a little JustCoffee.coop. Get the WTF blend with my face on it, and you get your, I get a little something on the back end of that if that's a thing for you. Check the calendar. Check the uh, the uh, the the guide so you know who's been on the show. Get the howl thing going. Howl. All right. Okay. Let's play guitar, man. <laughs>